0: You know, it feels good to be behind this microphone again. Welcome to the Order and Chaos podcast. My name is Shane Norwood. I am your host. And as always, we dedicate each and every episode of the podcast to the brave men and women out there holding the thin blue line between order and chaos in our society. And my goodness, is there any way to describe what is going on in this nation and around the world as anything less than chaotic at this point? I mean, it's absolutely insane what is happening. I wanted to share with you, most of you know that I recently moved, I downsized, my son moved out of state and he's uh, venturing out into his own adult life. He's experiencing the challenges that go with that, starting from absolutely nothing and trying to build a life out of it. I'm proud of him, he's doing well. Meanwhile, I'm uh, living down by the beach. I'm renting a room. It's the first time I've had roommates in probably close to 20 years. And they're nice enough. Don't get me wrong. It's just an adjustment. But I wanted to talk today about that very adjustment. I've had a lot of time to think. I've spent a lot of time at the beach. I've had a tremendous opportunity to really examine myself. I like to do that on a regular basis. I try to do it on a daily basis, if not several times throughout the day to recalibrate and get things in order in my mind. And I gotta be honest with you, the last couple of weeks have been pretty tough. I felt myself regressing in some ways. I felt
1: myself feeling like a victim
0: I've found myself making a lot of excuses why I can't do this, why I can't do that. I decided that because I live close to the beach, I'm going to utilize my bicycle that I had in storage for years that I hadn't used. Got it tuned up. Really nice Trek mountain bike. I think it cost me about 1500 bucks and less than a week into that routine. I took it down to the beach. I locked it up with what I thought was a high-quality lock. I went out and did some exercise in the sand, did some sprints, came back within minutes to find the lock sliced like butter and my
1: bike gone. And in that moment, For a few moments, I felt extremely defeated.
0: Thinking about how everything's just going wrong lately. And then almost immediately thereafter, I heard a voice in my head from someone that I highly admire. If you're not familiar with Jocko Willink, I highly encourage you to check out his podcast. He's a
1: former Navy SEAL commander. He led Task Unit Bruiser in Ramadi, Iraq.
0: He runs a leadership and business consulting firm called Echelon Front. He's involved in several other companies as well and has a very successful podcast. But in one segment of one of his podcasts, he spoke about a story when he was serving in Iraq and elsewhere. And one of his subordinates would approach him and with some type of problem. And his response was always good. In other words, the problem presents an opportunity to adapt and overcome. Within seconds of my initial reaction, which again was just piling on to this feeling of feeling defeated, depressed, Victim mentality. I, I I literally heard Jocko's voice in my head saying, bike got stolen? Good. You can get some more miles in on your feet now. So if you'll allow me, I, I, I want to play. It's a short video. The audio is what's important. It's about two minutes. I want to share it with you. Because I think a lot of us out there find ourselves in situations where things go wrong, they don't go as planned, especially in these times. I mean, these times are unprecedented. People aren't working. They don't know how they're going to pay their mortgage. They don't know how they're going to support their family. People feel betrayed by their government. They don't know who to believe when it comes to the science behind COVID-19. There's nothing that's really set in stone and makes a whole lot of sense, so you just have to choose a side, which just causes further division amongst an
1: already divided people. And so I wanted to
0: share this with you because many times in life, we have an opportunity to look at something and just say, good. And it's amazing just by altering that mindset how that can change your entire perception of what you thought was a major problem. It still may be a major problem, but now we can focus on the solution rather than dwell on the problem. This is Jocko Willink from his podcast, the segment called Good.
2: One of my direct subordinates, one of my guys that worked for me, he would, he would call me up or pull me aside with some major problem, some issue that was going on. And he'd say, boss, we got this and that and the other thing. And I'd look at him and I'd say, good. And finally, one day he was telling me about some issue that he was having, some problem. And he said, I already know what you're gonna say. I said, well, what am I gonna say? He said, you're gonna say good. He said, that's what you always say. When something is wrong and going bad, you always just look at me and say good. And I said, well, yeah. When things are going bad, there's going to be some good that's going to come from it. Didn't get the new high-speed gear we wanted? Good. Didn't get promoted? Good. More time to get better. Oh, mission got canceled? Good. We can focus on another one. Didn't get funded? Didn't get the job you wanted? Got injured? Sprained my ankle? Got tapped out? Good. Got beat? Good. Good. Unexpected problems? Good. We have the opportunity to figure out a solution. That's it. When things are going bad, don't get all bummed out, don't get startled, don't get frustrated. If you can say the word good, guess what? It means you're still alive. It means you're still breathing. And if you're still breathing, well the hell, you still got some fight left in you. So get up, dust off, reload, recalibrate, re-engage, and go out
0: on the attack. So yeah, that's Jocko Willink from his podcast and that excerpt. That's just simply titled good. And uh, man, I tell you that, that when I came across that, it really did change my perspective on a lot of things that were happening in my life that were not so great at the time. It's just a really great way to change your attitude and perspective on a, on a problem, on an issue. Because there's always an opportunity to see things from a different perspective if you allow yourself to do so. Okay, so I want to switch it up and talk to you now a little bit about... I started seeing these hashtags showing up on my social media. I'm sure all of you have. If you haven't, then you're living under a rock or you don't have any friends because so many people have jumped on this Save our children, hashtag save our children, hashtag save the children bandwagon. And I got to be honest with you, when I first saw that,
1: you know, I wasn't really sure how to take it.
0: And let me explain why. I spent a significant amount of time between the two agencies that I worked for investigating sex crimes against children. I'm a certified child forensic interviewer, which basically means I had the opportunity to interview young children. I, I, and I think the youngest, pers- the youngest child that I ever attempted to interview was four years old. And there's, there's a tremendous amount of technical knowledge that you have to have in order to not only establish rapport, and have a child trust you enough to be able to to disclose things that are very difficult to speak about. But on top of that, you also have to ensure that you conduct the interview in a way that makes it bulletproof against a defense. And one of the ways that you do that is by avoiding asking leading questions or close-ended questions to children. And it's very difficult to do. I mean, imagine trying to get a child to disclose being sodomized, being raped, being forced to give oral sex. I mean, these are things that children don't even know how to articulate. They know that it's not right. They know, many of them know, if they admit to this, that they feel they're either going to get in trouble or the person who did it is going to get in trouble. So I want to talk a little bit about these hashtags and this movement that's going on. So with that hashtag save our children, let's talk about it. Well, when I first saw these hashtags, I I I was I was a little ticked off if I'm just being honest with you. Let me let me explain. A lot of really good-hearted people are out there and they get attached to certain issues and then they decide that they are going to be vocal on social media about those issues for about 0.5 seconds and then it's on to the next great recipe that they came across or some makeup that just came out or whatever it may be. And I know I I, I was picking on the the ladies there. I'm sorry. The men are guilty of it too. And it just drives me absolutely crazy. You know, you saw this, all these people that were posting these black squares on their social media because they thought that that was going to show solidarity with the black community or Black Lives Matter or what have you. And, And it was really just a blatant example of how people pander in order to try to display how not racist or not bigoted that they, they may be. And you didn't see black squares for multiple days in a row. You saw one black square during, for one post on one day. And so I thought, and you see that with, with, with causes all the time, right? People get so rah-rah and enthusiastic about something. When I saw it happening with this, Hashtag save the children, hashtag save our children. And I, I, was, I was a little taken aback by that because of my direct experience in dealing with children that are victimized. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I investigated some major human trafficking ring, but one of the things about human trafficking that is really, really devastating is that most well, I shouldn't say most, although I do think it is most. So I will say most. Most of the people that are trafficked are led into that life by someone they know and or trust. So a family member, it, typically it's family. Well, the same thing goes for child sex crimes. I I cannot honestly cannot think of one case off the top of my head that I personally investigated and and I think at last count that was about 250 cases between my two agencies. It might be more, it might be a little less, but I can't think of one single case off the top of my head. And I'm sure there, there, uh, undoubtedly there were a few, but none of them stand out to me where the suspect did not know the victim. In fact, none of them stand out to me to where the suspect was not related to the victim. And that's, That's just pure evil. You know, no matter what you may believe religiously or what have you, there are certain things that are just evil, and that's one of them. When the family member of a small small child utilizes the trust that child has in them in order to victimize them in the most heinous, disgusting way that doesn't just impact them in the moment, but impacts them for life. And I want to, the reason why I really want to seal this, send this home is because you need to hear this. You're seeing a lot of hashtags and you're seeing a lot of memes. And, and, and what I'm really happy about is that it's been, it's been pretty consistent over the past couple of weeks. And there's been a lot of developments that have come out that the mainstream media doesn't want to cover for whatever reason, I'll let you decide why you think that is. I have my own opinions, but, it, but this, this cause has been gaining a lot of traction and a lot of people are starting to jump on board and realize that this is, this is horse shit. And everybody's worrying about masks. You get the, the media talking about masks every five seconds, but what's going on with some of these cases involving these kids? You just don't, you just don't hear about it unless it fits a particular narrative. And the reason why that, that really irks me is because I've been there in the room, in the same room, with a child who was disclosed the following. One case,
1: and this was many, many years ago, a child
0: was at school, which is a whole other issue now that schools are closed down and everything is done virtually, now these kids are home with these perpetrators and these perpetrators have 24-7 access to these kids and the kids don't have anyone to go to to disclose these things to in order to get an investigation started. So the victimization that's going to be going on in these homes is disgustingly tragic. And the amount of abuse that will be going on during this pandemic is, it's, it's overwhelming to even think about. But typically the M.O. on a great number of cases that I investigated was this. Child would go to school. Child would make a disclosure to either a friend or a trusted school official, such as a teacher or a principal. That friend would report it to a teacher or principal or the teacher or principal or whomever from the school that received the report would then, of course, as a mandated reporter contact Children and Family Services, who would contact the police department, and then I would get involved. So then I get involved, and then eventually at some point I interview this child. We take the child to a safe location that's a a location that's specifically designed for these types of interviews. You have a multidisciplinary team that sits in another room and watches a live video feed of myself and sometimes a victim advocate. That would be in the room with this child as we establish rapport, which can take a significant amount of time. And then you're dealing with a child with a very low attention span to begin with. And we know that we have this very narrow window of opportunity where we have to do everything we can to get a disclosure, identify a suspect, identify the specific crimes that occurred based on the child's ability to articulate it, which is all over the place. Because some children are more mature and more articulate than others, despite their age. And then after all of that, we have to go back and conduct the rest of the investigation to get a suspect in custody. So I had a case, one of my very first cases, many, many years ago, where a child went to school and she was in the restroom. I believe she was six, if I recall. Six years old. She's in the restroom at school. She kept the stall door open for whatever reason, but thank God she did. She's in there and she's crying as she's trying to use the restroom. And so another little girl walks by and looks in because she can hear this other this victim crying. And this little girl caught enough of a glimpse to see that she had what looked like owies, sores around her vaginal area. And so she went and told the teacher, the teacher, I don't know if it was a teacher or a school nurse, or, or somehow the school got involved,
1: saw the injuries, the wounds,
0: and contacted child, uh, Children and Family Services. who so Again, then in turn contacted the police department, and then I show up. So the, during the course of this investigation, I interview this child. The child has a very intrusive medical legal exam, a forensic exam, in order to collect evidence, which is traumatic enough as it is. And now this child has to sit in a room with a police officer who is hopefully specially trained enough to gain the child's trust and get a disclosure. Well, fortunately, I was able to. And in this case, we learned that the child's uncle had been repeatedly vaginally raping this little six year
1: old girl. And as a result, she contracted herpes.
0: Now, when I say that, I don't care if you're a seasoned investigator, if you're a civilian, if you're a parent.
1: that ought to make your blood boil. And it certainly does, with me anyway. So if that wasn't bad enough,
0: the this child makes this, this excuse me, makes this disclosure and we set all gears into motion to get the suspect in custody. There was a lapse in communication somehow. And I don't recall, it's been so many years now, but I believe that the school might have notified the parents that the child was in protective custody. The family put two and two together. They had their suspicions about the uncle. And instead of stringing the uncle up in the backyard, they facilitated a plan to send him back to Mexico because he was here illegally. And so before we could set up personnel to sit on the house and wait for the warrant, which takes several hours, unfortunately, this suspect was in the wind and well on his way back to Mexico. And we could not coordinate with Mexican authorities or the border in time. By the time we got the warrant, he was already well into most likely Tijuana
1: or somewhere south of there. And that's just
0: one story out of many hundreds that I was either personally involved in or assisted in or have knowledge of. So I, I, I really wanted to get into some detail about human trafficking, and we will at some point when I can dedicate an entire episode to it. But I wanted to address, address this hashtag and what's going on on social media and just encourage all of you. It's great that you want to get involved. It's great that you want to see change. It's great that you want to see people in very high places held accountable. And I'm talking about perhaps even the highest offices in the United States government, Hollywood elites. I would imagine going to be a lot of things that are going to come to light in the next few months, especially now that Jeffrey Epstein's mistress is in custody and most likely going to try to plead out and make a deal in exchange for providing information that could implicate some very big players in our society. But what I the reason why I'm sharing a very minute amount of my experience in this area is I want to encourage you to make sure that whatever you're posting, whatever you're reading, comes from a reputable source. Because there's a lot of BS out there that's fake. We all hate fake news. But there's a lot of stuff out there that's just straight up made up. There, there's many organizations. Uh, Craig Sawman Sawyer uh, has an organization, I believe it's called Vets for Children. He has a great website. I will link it in the show notes. The Department of Homeland Security has a lot of information on human trafficking, the signs and what to look out for. I will link that in the show notes. But in this, there's going to be a lot of misinformation out there. There's going to be a lot of people who are very powerful that do not want this coming to light. And so just keep that in mind. But if you really want to help these kids, make sure that anything you retweet or share on Facebook or post on Instagram is reliable because we want this out there. We want people passionate about it. But what we don't want is a bunch of misinformation getting out there. And then those who are genuinely interested in trying to help this cause realize that They're being bombarded with bad information and then get discouraged and have no idea where to turn for the truth and then just give up on the whole thing, which tends to happen. I know people love to post. They love to share. So if you're listening to this right now, please ensure that your posts are accurate. Ensure that they provide real verified information. And like I said, I will list several of the trusted sites that I know of in the show notes. So make sure you check that out. And if for some reason you can't access the show notes, you can reach out to me on Instagram at Order and Chaos Podcast. You can send me a direct message. I will send you the links. You can also find the podcast on Facebook. It's just search for Order and Chaos with Shane Norwood, like the page. And. You can send me a message there and I will do everything I can to point you in the right direction. I'm really encouraged by the amount of enthusiasm I'm seeing on social media. But I just wanted to address it because I am seeing a lot of stuff that's just flat out inaccurate. And we don't want to give
1: the other side any grounds to say that we're shoving false information down people's throats because we need the credibility. The truth will come out.
0: And we can help victims, whether they be victims in your own town that are being sexually molested by people they thought they could
1: trust, i.e. family, friends, or whether whether it's the much bigger picture of
0: being smuggled or trafficked in other manners. We can help these kids. With that, that's all I got for this week. And a heavy topic. There'll be a lot more about it to come. But I just encourage you to get involved. Check out the show notes. Check out my social media for more information. I'm Shane Norwood. This is Order and Chaos. We'll talk to you soon.